Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Love, Life, and Law of Attraction with Lisa Hayes. This is the place where you'll learn how to find the love of your life and build a life you love. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa, and I am here today. This is like a redo because Cindy and I had some technical issues last time we tried to do this show. So I am excited to have her back. Cindy Chavez is the Love and Magic Coach, which is baby... The coolest coaching title ever known to man. So, Cindy, I am thrilled to have you. Why don't you give us some bio and background again? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what brought you to this work before we get started. Well, I am known, like you said, as the love and magic coach, and I use all kinds of tools, but many of them would be familiar to anybody that's um, practiced law of attraction, uh, to help people find love or improve their relationships or just all kinds of things. Actually, I really like to coach around um, all the life coaching areas. But, you know, our our relationships are part of every area of our life. So relationship coaching is really what I like to specialize in because if we can get our relationships where they're healthy, everything else in our life kind of lines up to that in my you know, perspective. So, um, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I, you and I probably see that whole ball game very similarly. I mean, have you always have you always been a coach, or did you do something before you came to the coaching world? What was your background? Well, <laughs> my background. I um, I've been a coach for about ten years, and before that. I was a visual graphic artist, uh, but I, I did a lot of work in the personal growth field uh, while I did mm-hmm. that. So I always had sort of um, an interest in communication and conflict resolution and relationship, even before I was a coach. And I used to teach um, intuitive painting workshops where people would come and it was really a personal growth intensive workshop that lasted the whole weekend and they would be learning how to paint but at the same time they would be healing their soul in the process so i've kind of been around personal growth work you know all my adult life when i look at it that way and then i found coaching and and i just love it and it's very powerful work so i'm very happy to be doing what i do very cool so what i promised everybody today is Three simple ways that you can move yourself in the direction of finding great love. And I, the reason that I did that is because I really do think that this is one of those subjects, like many subjects, that we tend to make very, very complicated. But, I mean, you nailed it when you said if you can master relationships, you can master pretty much anything. Because when you're dealing with another or others, plural, I mean, that's even more energy to play with, more variables to play with. And I really do think that 
this is a subject that we complicate. So I'm looking for three simple shortcut ways to finding love. What you got for it? Well, the first thing that I would say, and this is not just for finding love, but for finding anything that you're wanting to find, and that is the concept of what I call radical responsibility. So it is very simple. It's not always easy because we have certain patterns and habits that are ingrained in us over time. But the concept is to just take responsibility for every experience that you have. So I can't be responsible for the way someone else behaves, but I can be responsible for my response to it or my reaction to it and how I experience it. So when we decide that we're going to take radical responsibility for our love life or for our relationships, that's just us stepping up to say, okay, I'm going to take responsibility for this. I want to find a great love, and it's on me to do that. Um, And what happens at that point is we're no longer allowed to play the victim role, which says things like there's no good men out there or where are all the available women or whatever you know you hear people say um because it's not on the you know the whole experience out there of someone to be there for you it's for you to step up and say okay i'm going to do this um i'm going to create a great love in my life i'm going to take the responsibility for doing that Uh, which sounds like you said it's simple but not always easy i think that there's no other way well I mean, I don't know. Is there no other way around that? I mean, can people attract great love when they're not taking responsibility? I think possibly they can attract it, but they can't maintain it. What do you think? Well, I certainly think we attract all kinds of things without consciously taking responsibility. But what we're talking about right now is someone who has decided that this is what they want. If they're coming to the call saying, okay, what do I need to do? Like, yes, I want to leverage the law of attraction um, and find love. To me, the first step in law of attraction is always taking responsibility and saying, okay, I'm not going to be the bystander that's sitting back and hoping and wishing and praying that something happens to me, um, but I'm going to play a conscious part in this. And the biggest conscious part I believe we can play is just to take responsibility for whatever we are experiencing. I agree. I totally agree. I think it comes into, and I think we started to talk about this the last time we were together, and that is, you know, part of that responsibility is recognizing where you are and, you know, if you're if you're still healing from a relationship um, that's broken or that went badly, um, then that's where you are and that's probably the first step. So we take responsibility by not being the victim, and I can raise my hand here because I was in an abusive relationship for a long time, and it wasn't physically abusive, it was emotionally abusive. And at the moment that I really recognized what was going on, that was at the point where I had to take responsibility and say, you know what, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to be putting the blame for my unhappy relationship everywhere else. I'm going to take responsibility and either get out of it or do something about it, but change something in my life to where I can have a relationship that I'm happy with. 
And so, well, I want to touch on that, but I, I, I don't want to derail us, but I think that's an important thing you just said is that sometimes taking responsibility means that you do get out of it. Because I think deliberate creators, like people who like to play with the magic of their thoughts, will try and find all kinds of ways to change their thoughts about a bad situation, which is a good first step. But if you can't change your thoughts, if you can't do that, or if if you think you have and your situation hasn't shifted, someone else is still involved, you are still ultimately responsible for picking up and getting out. I just have yeah, to say that's that. Yeah, that's the little, the little, you know, twisty part, too, of relationship is that as conscious creators, we do create our experience or we take responsibility for whatever experience we're having. And yet in relationship, there's someone else involved, too. And mm-hmm. we can't always, you know, create, we can't always have complete control over how someone else, and we really don't have any control over how someone else is behaving but we do have control over how we allow ourselves to be treated and what we tolerate and anytime anytime i have you know the experience of tolerating something i know that i'm giving my power away somewhere and so right. that comes back to radical responsibility again and saying you know i'm i'm not going to stay if this is what this relationship is going to be like um and so yeah right. absolutely sometimes we have to walk away if you know, if a shift is not happening and we're not willing to stay. Here's the question that I often say to someone, and it's built on this premise that, you know, you have three choices in relationship. You can stay and be happy, you can stay and be miserable, or you can leave. Your choice. But those are that's it. Those are the three choices. So right. the question is, if, if I could look into a crystal ball that was always 100% right, and I could tell you that your relationship, that the way it is, is the way it is how willing would you be to stay? You know, it gives you a good uh, litmus test on where you're at to look at it that way. I agree. So how do you know if you haven't healed? Because I think a lot of times, and I'll raise my hand on this one, actually. I mean, there were times in my life where I thought I had healed it. I mean, I don't know what made me think that in hindsight because I hadn't actually made any effort to do so. But, I mean, I think it's really easy to to delude yourself into thinking, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, that happened, but I'm over it. Let's move on. Like, what, how do you know if you still need to do healing work? Well, I think that any time a situation or the memory of a situation still holds a strong emotional charge, that we haven't really healed it yet. It doesn't mean that we won't look at a situation and, and still feel sad or still get triggered sometimes. But it's that state where the the wounds are still raw. And healing takes time. And I feel like a lot of times people try to rush this part. And they get into a, a relationship immediately after a bad breakup or any breakup. Um, and because this new relationship is creating all the same feel-good brain chemicals, um, they think that they're ready. And yet... There's a there's a thing that happens in relationship, and this really happens whether you're healed up or not. It just happens with people in general, and that is we often have a really strong need to be, or I should say, I'm going to say we have a fear of being alone 
or of being abandoned or of being lonely or of being disconnected. But we also have the fear of being too open and being too vulnerable and being too known and being too connected. And when mm-hmm. when we have both of those things going on at once, it causes sort of a push and pull dynamic in a relationship where people get too clingy and then push away and then get too clingy and push away. And that dynamic, whenever – I really had an aha moment about this just the other day. I was thinking about that very thing, and it hit me that we do that in a lot of areas in our life. For instance, being afraid of failure but afraid of success or afraid of lack and poverty but afraid of great wealth and abundance. And what happens when we have those fears of both ends of the spectrum, we get stuck in the middle. And so a lot of times when we're coming out of a relationship, we've had our heart broken, we haven't really given ourselves time to heal it, that dynamic will be really strong. Because part of us really wants to be loved. We all want love. I mean, it's a basic human need. So part of us really, really wants that connection and to be loved and to have you know, physical connection and emotional connection. But there's other part of us that's still pushing, you know, pushing away, saying, oh, because we remember being hurt when we got too vulnerable. So I think that when you are healed up, that's a big telltale sign right there is that you can be open and vulnerable. I would agree. I think another one is to pay close attention to the stories you're telling yourself. This was the thing I was doing my monologue about when we were having technical problems. I mean, and pay attention to the stories you're telling other people. Like if you're still telling a story where your role in the play about your previous relationships was the victim role, you might not yet be healed up. Like if you're carrying any of that victim energy, and that victim energy comes out in what we say to ourselves and other people. It's really hard to hide. So if you're still talking about your dirtbag ex and how he treated you, you you might not be as healed as you think you are. Absolutely. And, you know, what happens, too, is that, unfortunately, many times the people that love us, <laughs> that are around us and, and hate to see us hurting and see us with a broken heart, um, it's very easy to get caught up in the conversation with them where they're calling the ex a dirtbag, right, because they want to make mm-hmm. you feel better. And so um, it it does us a lot of good to, like you said, to change our story. And one of the things that we have to remember, you know, I people that work with me or or read, you know, stuff I write or coach with me are very familiar with me saying the universe is always supporting you. But... I don't always, I always want to make sure and explain what I mean by that because the universe, in my experience, is neutral. And mm-hmm. the universe, I've had people say, well, I don't feel like the universe is supporting me. Well, the universe is supporting whatever story you're telling. So when you're telling the story that all men are jerks, then that's the experience you're going to have. And the guy standing in front of you in the checkout line is going to be a jerk, and the guy in the car next to you is going to be a jerk. And, you know, you're going to you're going to attract that because why? Because that's the story that you're telling, and the universe is going to support that. So when right. you get in a situation where all the people you're hanging out with are helping you tell that story, uh, that story will gain a lot of momentum. So it's it's really powerful to be conscious of our words and to 
allow our language. You know, there's there's four things that create our state, our language, our body language, our physiology, our beliefs, and our focus. And the easiest one of those to change is our language. Right. Um, and I just agree. becoming aware of how habitual it is. But you're right. That's telling that story over and over. It just sort of cements it in those neural connections in our brain, and we tell it automatically. And that's going to start creating, you know, even more of what we don't want. And I think awareness is key because oftentimes we're not aware of how often, how intensely we're telling those stories. I mean, so if you need to do some healing, if you determine that you do, what are some really, what are the ways you would go about starting and doing a healing process? I think that the most important thing when we're healing is to, number one, be really gentle with ourselves and not beat ourselves up for, you know, the failed relationship um, or for, you know, why is it taking so long for me to find someone or, you know, this the numerous things that people will beat themselves up over. But to be gentle with ourselves and to, before we find our soulmate, to find ourselves. And I mean that in a really practical way. Um, when people have been in a, especially a long-term relationship or maybe a marriage with children that's, you know, lasted any length of time, our lives get really focused on everything else going on in our life. And sometimes we lose track of who we really are and what turns us on and what we're passionate about, really down to the things that we enjoy, hobbies, um, you know, things we like to do. And I think that finding those things is a really big key to healing. I think taking good care of our body, you know, I've talked to people that haven't had a, a, a checkup for years, um, just really practical things like taking one step to to do something that we know is healthy for our physical body or finding a hobby that we love, giving ourselves time and space, maybe doing a little research to develop a new spiritual practice if that's something that you know we long for, but really just getting to know ourselves and getting to do what we want to do, what makes us happy, what feels good to us. It's really about just Find a way to have some fun um, because that's that's the thing that heals us is joy. And so I would say that is take some small steps to do them to do some stuff that's just for you that feels good to you. And that may sound really simple, but it's it's powerful. Well, I think that the powerful thing you said is the thing that heals us is joy. And it's always amazing to me how often I ask the question, what makes you happy? And I either get crickets in the background or I get an answer like my kids and my dogs. It's like, okay, beyond your kids and your dogs, what makes you happy? And then I hear crickets in the background. I mean, that's not a trick question. And when you're healing, that question is, that's your key out of suffering because heartbreak is the answer or joy is the solution to heartbreak. I totally agree. Yeah, totally. I, I often I often will say to people, everything you want is on the other side of your broken heart. And I say that because a broken heart takes up so much energy. It is a total energy drain. And, you know, I also believe that our deepest wound is directly connected to our life purpose. So, you know, it's not a totally terrible thing that we have wounds, that we have broken hearts, because they give us clues 
to the treasure that we came here with. And so that's important too. But yeah, I mean, how many people really lose their focus on what makes them happy? We all do it at one time or another. And so that's the key, I think, is to take responsibility and heal yourself up, do what you need to do to really start to feel healthy emotionally and a lot of that is going to to do with changing your story and that can be done very consciously even though it's mm-hmm. not you know that old story is going to come back it's wired into our brain we've told it many times and we're going to find ourselves blurting it out but when we notice that we've blurted it out we have just become the observer and we have just become aware of this program that's running and that's when we can say okay I'm going to change that going to stop that and it'll get easier and easier because we just start noticing when we're then we notice we're about to say something and we can stop it at that point Um, or someone else says something and we're about to chime in and agree and we pull back and those are just little small steps that will help us change our story heal up the heartbreak and start walking in that responsibility that says this is what I'm going to create in my life yeah I think that heartbreak forces us to get very present with what does make us happy. And that's why everything we want is on the other side of heartbreak. Like it, it causes you to dial down into the moment, into the truth of things in a way that almost nothing else does. And you get to know yourself if you're willing to heal it rather than bury it. You get to know yourself on a level that you probably wouldn't otherwise. So I'm going to pause for a quick commercial and then we'll be right back. There is no choice in life that will have more impact on your happiness than who you choose to share it with. Everyone wants to find that one big love. However, most people are looking for that love kind of like they would play the lottery. Finding great love is not a game of chance. Score Your Soulmate by Lisa M. Hayes is a by-the-numbers guide to finding the love of your life and creating a life you love. Score Your Soulmate is a step-by-step soulmate finding formula that anyone can follow. What you will get along the way is a swoon-worthy life you'll want to share with that perfect someone. You can find Score Your Soulmate on Amazon or your local bookstore. Get your copy and start your journey to happily ever after today. Okay, so step number one would be radical responsibility. Step number two would be healing past wounds. What's number three? I want to touch on something really quick that you said right before the break, and that was talking about, you know, you said if you're willing to heal it. And that was a really powerful thing to consider. Um, Remember that any time we have a loss of any kind, that we need to allow ourselves some space to grieve that loss. And so I think that's um, just an important, you know, thing to bring up is that, if you've had your heart breaking, break broken and you're, you know, wanting to move on, be sure that you sort of do allow yourself a little bit of space and time to grieve because that's totally normal. Nobody should have their heart broken and just be healed up in 24 hours. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, allow yourself to feel all those feelings um, for a space of time, which, you know, it doesn't have to be a long time, but just recognizing and acknowledging what's going on And then, like you said, then get willing to move forward and take that responsibility to heal up. Now, the third thing that I would say, and this can go for anybody, whether they are, um, you know, healing a heartbreak or not, and that is, it kind of goes along with the story, 
but it is to stop criticizing uh, yourself and others completely. That's hard, but it has to happen because when we're criticizing um, even ourselves, it's a big red flag that we're not loving ourselves enough. And when we're criticizing others, it's the same red flag because we notice things in others that are hidden in ourselves that were parts of us we think are unlovable. So just stop with the criticizing because it puts us right back in victim mode. And, you know, a lot of times it, it gets disguised as advice, but I think it's a really important thing to just stop complaining and stop criticizing because those two energies are just going to create more of whatever you're complaining about. So it kind of goes with the story, you know, all those things that you hear people say about the excuses they make about why they're not finding someone. It's always outside of them. You know, all the good men are already married or whatever. Um, I think that that's part of the story that's really, really important is to just stop it, stop complaining, and stop criticizing. I think that that's huge on a number of levels. But, I mean, if we look at it from a law of attraction standpoint, I mean, there's just a fact here that we get what we are focused on. And I criticizing is, I mean, whatever it is that you're criticizing is the thing you're focused on. Like whether it is big or small, it's still going to have a really sort of insidious effect, if that's a word. Is that the word I'm looking for? Whatever the word is, you know what I'm talking about. It's going to have an effect on what you're what you're experiencing just based on law of attraction alone. And I think it's really easy to get critical, like self-critical first. But I think we are often much more critical of others than we are aware. I mean, just kind of that habit to be irritated can be very, very strong. Right, and it's not, you know, it's not an attractive habit anyway. So um, part of law of attraction is that we want to be attractive. (laughs) We want to be a magnet to whatever it is that we want to attract to us. And being critical is only going to attract us someone that's critical of us. Um, I remember this story. It was funny. Um, my um, my handsome sweetheart, He uh, before he met me, he had gone on a date with a woman. And he told me this story when we were first together. And it was kind of like a big, I thought, oh, I'm gonna, I know I'm going to use this example <laughs> in coaching other people or whatever. Um, but he said he went out with this um, woman, and I think he asked her for a second date. And then he said, but I sort of knew right then that it wasn't ever going to happen anyway because on the first date she reached back and touched the hair on the back of his collar and said, your hair would look really good if you just let it grow out like another inch. Oh. And, and he said, you know, I knew right there. It's like, okay, I, I, this is the first date I'm on with this person. She's already telling me, like, what I need to change about myself. And I think so many times... People do things like that with no intention of being critical. Um, They're just, you know, saying whatever they're saying, and yet the way it gets received is, okay, great, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not okay the way I am. And many times people will be really self-critical, and, you know, it just shows up as an energy that says there's something wrong here. 
And so mm-hmm. learning how to dial that in and the the fix for it is appreciating it instead. Finding things right. to appreciate. Finding things um, that are in your appreciation column instead of in your criticizing column. And that goes back to what you mentioned, you know, a little while ago about awareness being the key. Is we've all done things like this and when we become when we make the decision that we're going to become aware of, you know, our words and aware of our thoughts, uh, that's when we can start making the change. So I think that's, you know, it's such a simple story, but to me it was a really powerful one because it just spelled it right out. <laughs> it wasn't anything big well, I mean, or dramatic. It was just... It's clear, and I think that we could have a whole conversation about the the need to criticize, the need to correct, the need to improve on other people. What it does is it breaks down intimacy because the minute we start making somebody not okay the way they are right there, they start shutting down just a little bit. That's like a subconscious autonomic response. I mean, so I see this in couples all the time. One person, both people, somebody criticizes. The other person shuts down a little bit, and the distance or the divide between them starts starts occurring. It starts growing. It starts spreading. Like, appreciation is the antidote, is the antidote to almost everything, in life, probably, but particularly in relationships. And it's so easy once you get momentum flowing. Like, I, when you talk to somebody who's in a relationship that's difficult of any kind, I mean, I would say a romantic relationship to a work relationship, and you tell them appreciation is going to change the landscape here, and they're like, there's nothing to appreciate. Like, I get how that feels. But once you get appreciation rolling and flowing momentum is at your back and it gets so much easier to flow appreciation than you think it's going to be. Sure. And I've had that situation where I've actually, you know, been coaching someone who is really, they've got the momentum in the other direction where they're seeing so many things that irritate them, that annoy them, that bother them, that they just feel they can't live with. And it's practically, they feel at least impossible when I ask the question you know, about appreciation, it's they really have to stop and take pause and kind of dig down. And I will say, look, I just want you to just write a list of ten things that you appreciate. And to them, that ten things seems like it's impossible. And yet they always end up doing it. And once they do it, everything shifts. So here's the thing that I think is so important here, though, is that talking about a great love, we want to find someone who loves us and accepts us exactly the way we are. And mm-hmm. in order for us to find that, we are going to have to, number one, love and accept ourselves exactly the way we are. And then, number two, be willing to accept others exactly the way they are. So there's no falling in love with potential there's just being willing to love and to accept just like this. And doing it for ourselves is really the first step of that. And that goes into healing the heartbreak again, whether, you know, whether it's a deep heartbreak or not. But we have to be willing to accept ourselves just how we are and stop beating ourselves up for, 
you know, things we don't like about our body or we don't think we're smart enough or we're not successful enough or whatever it is that is that story that we want to change about ourselves, we can change those things about ourselves. And that's not what I'm talking about. We still have to be willing to accept ourselves the way we are right now and to completely, you know, it reminds me of, I know you're familiar with the the tapping with EFT. It reminds me of the the polarity statement in EFT, which is I completely love and accept myself, right? Even though, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I have this thing going on, I completely love and accept myself. And that's where we want to be with ourself. When that happens, when our level of self-love gets to that place, then it's like the whole world opens up to us. And mm-hmm. we will be able then to attract those people that have a healthy you know, love of their own self and can accept us just the way we are. And that's a great love when you find that. See, I, I, I could just sit here all day long and go, I agree. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, these are simple steps, but I think that you nailed it earlier and I repeated it. I mean, simple doesn't always make easy. Radical responsibility, radical self-responsibility is not necessarily easy. It's simple. Healing a broken heart is simple. It's not necessarily easy. Being willing to embrace gratitude and appreciation over criticism, that's simple but not easy. However, it's all doable. And I think all of these things really are required for finding great love. And I think your statement that great love is about total acceptance is incredibly profound and often overlooked. I mean, my grandmother used to say, you can't take potential to the bank. And that is so true. It's like, if I can't love this person the way they are right now, then I'm not really loving them. I mean, Una philosophy says to love is to be happy with. And that starts with yourself. I mean, Frank Butterfield said a couple of weeks ago on the show, there's only one relationship, which is the relationship I have with me and everything is a reflection of that. And I think it's really yeah, absolutely. true. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally believe that. Um, I often talk about the magic mirror. You know, the the entire universe is just a mirror for our relationship with ourself. And so right. that's where it has to start. It has to start there. And you're right about, you know, simple um, and here's the thing, is that the thing I like to remind myself, my clients, is that the biggest shifts come with small, consistent action. And so it doesn't have to be big moves. These sound like really big things, um, but they are, the, they are the, you know, everyday small things that we make. They are the tiny choices that we make every day um, to to heal ourselves, to love ourselves, to be responsible for the way we react or respond to something. Um, Those happen moment by moment. And there's always a second chance with those things, right, when we catch ourselves, oh, I wish I wouldn't have responded that way. Well, there'll be another chance, believe me. So it's just the day-by-day, everyday things that are small. They're small moves, and we become more and more consistent with them as we Make a habit of doing them. Agreed. You've got sirens in the background. I've got Universe sirens. I'm, I'm, too. My <laughs> office is on a busy corner, so yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love right. that. Yeah. Well, tell us really quickly how people can get in touch with you and connect with you and your work. 
Well, people can find me um, on the interwebs. My uh, website is cindychavez.com, and it's C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z. And uh, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me is through my website or through Facebook, same name, um, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z, Cindy Chavez. And I'm on Facebook. I have um, a little private group that I run on Facebook and a business page there that you can find. Lots of good free stuff for you at my website. So it would be happy and honored for you to drop by. And who wouldn't want to connect with the Love and Magic Coach? And if you want to find me online, it's always easy. It's lisamhaze.com. So, Cindy, thank you for being here today. We made it all the way through. No technical problems. So thank you for your time, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Lisa. What if nothing had to change for you to love the body you have right now? Everyone says you need to love yourself, but if you don't know how, self-love feels like a sugary sentiment that doesn't really mean anything. Body Love Boot Camp will teach you the mechanics of self-love. You will learn to treat yourself and your body like you are worthy of love, not later, but now. Loving your body now doesn't mean you've given up on change. It means you're treating your body with the kind of respect that change is made from. So, if you're ready to get off that diet roller coaster thrill ride once and for all, check out Body Love Boot Camp today. www.bodylovebootcamp.com The body of your dreams just might be the one you have today www.bodylovebootcamp.com Thanks for listening to Love, Life, Life and Law of Attraction. Tune in next week to learn more about how to find the love of your life. Love and love a life you love. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.